Podcast de Chanel à l'Opéra de Paris. Creativity. Welcome to 355 Chanel's podcast at the Paris Opera. I am Anne Berest and I am a French writer. I am now at the Opéra Garnier, which is humming with the launch of this new season. Chanel and dance go a long way. It all goes back to Gabrielle Chanel's modernity. Dance inspired her new notions of enhancing both body and movement, and her idea of freedom. What does dancing mean today? What does the body say about our times? How does it express its modernity? I sat down with the choreographer, dancers and actresses. 355, le podcast de Chanel. Welcome and hello, Kira Knightley. I'm really happy to meet you. You. you are an extraordinary and world-famous actress. We have seen you in many movies like Pride and Prejudice and The Duchess. You've been named twice by the Oscar Academy. You are also a Chanel ambassadress. Dance seems to hold a very special place in your work as an actress, in particular in your new movie Colette. What attracted you to Colette at first? I mean, I think just the strength of the woman. You know, um, I'm always interested with people who kind of break rules and uh, create a life for themselves. And um, and I think I think that she was somebody the world didn't fit her, and so she kind of bashed a hole in it and uh, and created a life for herself. And and I find that very inspiring. Colette was a, a really strong woman. She was an author from the early 20th century. So you said you are especially sensitive to this type of role of woman. Um, it's funny because uh, Gabrielle is the name of Chanel and Colette's first name was... Gabrielle. Sylvie yeah. Gabrielle. Yeah. Colette really liked to dance. And um, can you describe scenes in the movie uh, related to dance? Yeah, there are. Well, there were meant to be more. Um, the first time that I met Dominic West was uh, was when we were in a rehearsal to learn how to polka, and uh, we failed so miserably that it got cut out of the film. So there was meant to be a wedding scene where they were polkering around and having a conversation, and we just absolutely couldn't do it in any way at all. So there were two, I think, two scenes left in the film that we actually managed to do. One was uh, the oh, I can't remember what it's called, but I Dream of Egypt, which was a dance that Colette actually did at the Moulin Rouge which ended in a lesbian kiss with her then lover, the Marquise de Bellebeuf. Um, and there was a riot in the Moulin Rouge. And there's a plaque still, if you, if you kind of walk around Montmartre, um, to that event. And the show got closed down. So one of the dances that I do is, is that dance, which we sort of vaguely based it on yes. the Metropolis, the kind of 1920s silent movie, which has this weird kind of jerky sort of dance with it, which is really out there and um, I'm not a dancer so you know what I can achieve as an actress sort of portraying somebody who would dance on stage you, you have to be quite careful with the movements so I felt like if we were kind of a bit out there with it that I could pull it off more than if it was something that was a bit more classical because there's no way that I can do that um, my body couldn't do that um, so so yeah so we worked on that and that was 
interesting. I'm not going to say fun, but I'm going to say interesting. Um, and then there was, she was also a mime artist. So there is a lovely, wonderful mime artist in London called Dickie Bow, who, uh, who has his own cabaret show and he's in the film. And, um, and he came up with the sort of mime stuff that we were doing. Again, you know, the, this version of Colette, it's been done on quite a small budget. So we didn't have a lot of rehearsal time. I think we did more rehearsal for the polka that we completely failed at than any of the other dance in the film um and uh the i dream of egypt dance i still had the choreographer on the side of stage kind of doing the moves in front of me so that i could see her out the corner of my eye because i absolutely didn't know what i was doing in any way and and there's sort of a point as an actress where you just kind of need to bullshit your way through things and make it up as you go along and just hope for the best and look like you you know what you're doing even when you absolutely don't and uh for me the i dream of egypt dance was was definitely one of those moments of just going okay there are 300 extras in front of me i don't really know how to dance or how to do this dance but i'm dressed in somewhat like an some way like an egyptian and i'm coming out of a sarcophagus so i just need to kind of do this but did you find uh a freedom in this situation no <laughs> no 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 i mean not in a kind of performance way because it's not the natural way i perform like yes. i'm not a dancer yes. so it, it that it, that's not natural to me um so no it's more like a kind of uh a sense of pride at getting over a fear than it is a freedom in the movement you know i think if you're drunk and you're dancing in a club then obviously like there's great freedom in that but that's because nobody's watching you know when you're actually on a stage and people are watching and it's a film and somebody's judging it and you know that you're not a dancer and you don't have that exquisite kind of control over every muscle in your body that is what it takes to be a dancer you know uh you, you just kind of have to have to um pretend <laughs> what is your best memory of this movie Uh, best memory, um, you know, I think the opportunity to play somebody who really did break all of the rules and live her life as she saw fit, that doesn't that certainly doesn't mean that she's a saint. She wasn't a saint. And morally, you know, this is where I think there's an interesting cross with, with Chanel. I think they were both survivors. Morally, survivors are always quite ambiguous, you know, but I think as an actress, they're the kind of characters that I find most fascinating. So I'm not looking at them in a kind of saintly way, but I'm looking at them as, as sort of two women who made the world fit them and and wouldn't take no for an answer and wouldn't be taken down you know I, I think that strength and that kind of that survivor spirit uh is a fascinating thing to kind of look into and to study and 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 to sort of you know take a part of that into myself I'd quite like to be a bit more like that you know um Uh, so I think you know, the opportunity to stand in somebody's shoes who I felt was, she was so tall, you know, Colette. She stood tall um, and that was quite fun. It was the first time that you played a writer? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it was the first time I played a writer, I think, yes. It was special for you for in the preparation or...? Um, my mum's a writer, so I feel like, you know, I, I know... I've lived with a writer all my wow, life. I didn't know. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I think, you know, I understand from the outside what it is uh, to live with somebody who goes to that magical other space in their head, which is entirely private for them. And I remember as a child, I would be hugely jealous of that place that I was never allowed to get to. Um, and I think, like, my playing of Colette is sort of, in a way, my... Uh, 
I don't know. It's it's kind of for that space in my mum's head that I I don't know, can never know, was never allowed in, but is kind of magical in in my view of it. Yes, I understand. You know, in France, we had a bestseller who is, is was entitled "Women Who Are Writing and Women Who Are Reading Are Dangerous." Ooh, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. You told me your mother was a writer and. I read also that she introduced you to theatre and ballet at an early age. Yeah, I mean, uh, okay, so theatre, well, the reason that I was born was because she sold her first script, which meant that she could have money for a second child, and that was me. So, I mean, I was very much, when I was born, I was called the Bush Baby because it was the Bush Theatre in London that, that bought the script. So, you know, I mean, I... I was in theatres from literally the moment I was born. And my dad's an actor, so I was always backstage. And, you know, if my mum went away because she was working, then I would have to go to the theatre every night with my dad and sit in his dressing room as he went on stage. And, you know, so I think theatres have always been a part of my life. Our next-door neighbour, Trevor, was a ballet dancer. So he would often take me... I want to say it was English National Ballet, but I can't remember... Uh, who would take me into their rehearsal rooms as well. And I saw a lot of behind the scenes at the costume houses and stuff like that in various theatres and actually for various ballets as well. So I, I, I saw a lot of costumes and saw a lot of behind the stage stuff when I was a kid. Creativity. Costumes are as important for an actor as for a dancer. As an actress, yeah. how would you define the relationship you have with a costume? I mean, it's, it's one of the most important ones. You know, it's a visual medium. So you can tell a lot of story through the picture that you're painting. And obviously costume is a huge part of that. I mean, one of the reasons that I like doing um, period pieces is because normally speaking, you're allowed to literally pick the fabric swatches and you can you know very much the texture of the fabric can tell such a lot about a character. So with Pride and Prejudice, we went for quite a lot of like a kind of cottons and linens with a very natural fabric but with a stripe to it because it was always felt like Lizzie Bennett was a very sort of straight and that made sense we could build that up and even when there wasn't a stripe in the actual clothes she always had stripy socks on because I really felt like I connected some some way that stripe kind of really connected um Colette is slightly different actually because it's the first period put, film that I've done where none of the clothes were made so they were all originals um that was partly a budget reason and it was also partly because they wanted it you know there's a scene in the film where she she has toothpaste on her dress and she's trying to get the toothpaste off and you know I think the director really wanted that very worn in quality to the fabrics which you don't get from new fabrics you know so he wanted the sweat stains he wanted all of that so it was kind of really interesting working with clothes that were a hundred years old kind of interesting I mean as far as movement goes you know we'd had various ideas about movement and then found that actually I couldn't do any of them because the costumes would split up the back and suddenly they had to be sort of stuck down onto me and stuff but um but I think it did give that that quality it looks other it doesn't look modern you know it looks the 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 just the quality of the fabric is is just different than we have today so I think it does give it a very particular look As an actress, you have been dancing a lot, and especially uh, in the legendary dance of Anna and Vronsky in Anna Karenina. Yeah. Uh, do you remember that scene, and was it a difficult one? How do you prepare for these roles? Yeah, it, it was a difficult one. Um, it was choreographed by the amazing choreographer Sidi Labi Shakuri. Um, 
and you know he had never worked with actors who couldn't dance before so uh, I think he just kind of went oh wow how are we gonna do this and I looked at him and went oh how am I gonna do that and I you know we found something in the middle again as with most sort of dances in films, so much gets cut out. So you tend to spend like, well, with that one, we actually did have rehearsal. So we had about six weeks rehearsal and just dancing and dancing and dancing and dancing. Six weeks. I think about that. Maybe I'm making that up, but it it felt like a very long time. Um, But about, you know, three quarters of it didn't make the film. (laughs) Again, probably because I'm not a dancer, so I can't really pull it off that well. Um, I mean, it was it was really interesting to work with dancers because they express emotions through their bodies, and that's not how I see the world, you know. So it's an interesting kind of uh, exercise to try and find expression through movement in a way that I don't normally do. Um, I'm never sure whether I achieved it. You know, I think a lot of it is really about kind of just hoping for the best and uh, thinking they'll cut out the bad bits, uh, which has happened both times. You know, my infamous polka that never happened. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it was really interesting. It was very hard work and, and I was in no way fit enough starting it to kind of, you know, you have to be so fit to be doing dance rehearsals constantly so my hat goes off to any ballet dancer because you just think the amount of training and care of your body and you know discipline that you must need to be a professional dancer is so mammoth um i'm very glad i don't have to do it (laughs) after this scene do you feel dance influenced your work process no I mean not really I think movement is is obviously very important and maybe from uh maybe from those roles yes I mean maybe I was aware more aware of the body and how the body could be used and that kind of stuff you know I mean I think the fact of film and the way that we make films today they're mostly in close-up so mostly most actors of my generation don't really use their bodies as much as if you'd gone back maybe a couple of generations to predominantly theatre actors, obviously they're using their bodies a lot more because you're looking at the whole thing. But when you're working in close-up, you can try your best to express something through your body language. But ultimately, if they're only seeing your face, then, you know, they're only seeing your face. But, you know, I mean, again, in Colette, we did talk a lot about her movement because there's a sort of age, she starts at 19 in the film and she ends up at 34. And so kind of just thinking about this sense of somebody sort of becoming themselves and how that happens, um, that happens in their body. So that kind of 19-year-old who's unsure of herself and, and, and unsure of the world that she's in compared to that 34-year-old who's stepping out of the shadows of this man and is actually taking control of everything. You know, that's, that's a shift. But equally with Colette, you know, a lot of people talked about um, the androgynous side of her, so the male-female and, and physically what that means as far as, you know, women tend to apologise for the space that we take up. So, you know, my legs are crossed, your legs are crossed. You know, we sort of, we, we hide away, whereas a man would have his legs open, would, you know, take that space. So I sort of played a lot with with that within the character. So as she goes along, you know, she starts taking up more space. She becomes sort of more open, more relaxed, sort of less apologising for, for the space that she's taking up. So I thought that was interesting as far as playing Very a character. interesting. And Chanel was also fascinated by movement and she was focused on freedom of movement, especially mm. uh, when she conceived uh, the costumes for dancers, but also for women in everyday life. Mm. Um, 
Can you tell me what emphasizes your creativity? No idea. <laughs> I follow no, but no if you like dance, maybe imagination. Well, no, I mean, or... on, actually, honestly, like, you know, if I see something really inspiring like I'm yes. not you know it could be dance it could be it could be anything it could be a piece of music it could be a painting it could be a book it could be you know I think you, there's an appreciation of anybody who can express themselves express their emotional landscape through any different medium if they're doing it well you know I think it can speak to you I don't know a lot about dance I don't go and see a lot of dance but you know there have been occasions where I've seen things where I've gone whoa that's extraordinary that kind of that you've conveyed that in in that particular way it may not be the way that I would choose personally to do it but nevertheless I can certainly you know appreciate appreciate what somebody else is is wonderful at Tonight we are going to the Opéra Garnier and I think it's the first time for you. It is my first time. I think, wow. wait a minute, I'm suddenly going, is it my first? Yes, it's my first. I mean, I've seen it from the outside, but no, I've never been in. I'm very excited. And you are excited. And what are your expectations or your feelings? Is there a Chagall ceiling? <laughs> is there a ceiling that Chagall has painted? Was it Chagall? Yes. Okay, good. Ha. I'm very excited about that then. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's such an opulent building, so I'm fascinated to see what the inside looks like. To finish, I have a little questionnaire. Yep. You know, we are in Paris, in France, it's the country of the questionnaire. Is it? Yes. I didn't know yes. that. <laughs> Marcel Proust. Of a, course, yes. of course, yeah. I have two questions. If you were a song to dance to? Uh, dancing Queen, ABBA. <laughs> sure. And who would you like to see dance? Uh, probably, I mean, I'd say Colette. So let's go and thank you, Kira. Thank, thank you. you for everything. Thank you. Creativity. 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 Creativity.